Hey, Jonathan. Hey, Steve. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. So we're done with Princess Bride Minute, and I know we're not ready for our new projects yet, and I haven't reviewed Buttercup's Baby. Um, do you have anything you think we can discuss? Have you seen anything good lately? Uh, lately? No. Uh, have you seen It? Nope. Oh, you should totally see It. Um, how about The Handmaid's Tale? Have you, have you watched any of that? No. Have you read any of the, the latest uh, Marvel comics? Uh, no. How about Die Hard? Have you ever seen Die Hard? Um, once. You want to try that? We could do, like, Die Hard Minute. Sure, like, talk about it one time? Yeah, we'll just, you know, we'll take it one minute at a time and, oh. you know, see how it goes. Might be an exciting episode of the Die Hard Minute, where every day, Monday through Friday, movie-by-minute hosts like us talk about one minute of the greatest unchristmassy Christmas movie ever, directed by John McTiernan. Yeah. I'm Steve Lasto. And I'm Jonathan Carlyle. And welcome back to the Die Hard Minute. <laughs> I, I don't know that everybody knows who we are. Such, such. I mean, you've been on every minute podcast known to man. Well, that's not true. Well, you've been, you've been on a lot. How many have you been on? Maybe eight or so. That sounds like a lot, but there's like 6,700 or something like that. I felt like your your um, your number was higher. It could be. I don't know. Okay. I think I've been on five or six maybe at most. Oh, well, it matters not. Um, so we're in minute 41 of Die Hard. Minute 41 starts with Hans delivering the news of Mr. Takagi's demise. and ends with Hans sharing his thoughts on the retirement plans of security guards. Mr. Takagi. Mr. Tagagi. Mr. Tagagi has a, fa- a fancy name in this movie. His name is like Joseph Yoshinubu Tagaki. Old Joe Tagaki. Um, that's good to know. I looked up a lot of names that had to do with our minutes, but I did not look up his name. Um, so I'm glad to know how to say that or what it even is. Yeah, I did not go that deep either. We have a lot of people in this minute. So, I mean, it was sort of a... You know, looking them all up was sort of a... There there, there might be more characters in this movie, Jonathan, than there actually are in The Princess Bride. Yeah, like in this one minute, you mean? <laughs> in this one minute. I believe it. I think that is that is true. This seems like one of those good action movies where you know there's a lot of characters and you kind of know what their parts are, but I don't necessarily keep track of their names. I know there's John and there's Hans. Is there anybody else I really need to know by name? I know, I know he, I know he's got his estranged wife, but do I need to know her name? I know her last name is a different name that he was surprised by. Has she remarried? I, I watched the first half of the movie recently. I don't think she's remarried. No, no, I think oh, she, she just uh, she went back to her maiden name. That is correct. I, you know, I feel like you can know Fritz, you can know Tony, you can know the guy in the blue who is not Fritz. Um, <laughs> couldn't figure that one out. Um, not Fritz. Yeah, you, 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 no, I could not figure out non-Fritz to save my life. I do have one interesting note. You know the guy who's sort of skeeving on Holly McLean? Oh, yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah, so he pops his head up late in the minute, and he was, at this point in his career, and, and actually compared to most of these people in this minute, um, he has more of a career. He has a career than most of the people in this minute at the time he's in this movie, and in terms of their overall career, but his his role that I wanted to point out, because we mentioned this movie in our last last minute of The Princess Bride, um, Harry Ellis played Ethan in Supergirl with Helen Slater. Oh, yeah. The rest of these guys did not do very much. T- Tony Vresky, who we see here as a, as a corpse, is played by Andrew Wisniewski, and he's had some roles in Mission Impossible and Living Daylights. Um, Fritz, who we probably see more than anybody in this minute, 
This is his only credited role as an actor. This is it. His entire career is this movie. And his real name is Hans, right? Hans Burringer. So he's he's Hans playing Fritz, talking to Hans playing by Alan Rickman. That is correct. And in one of these shots, he looks very Asian. So I spent time looking for an unknown Asian actor who doesn't actually exist. <laughs> you see like half his face. And I'm like, who's that Asian guy? <laughs> it's, not, it's not Mr. Takagi. It is not. No, Mr. Takagi will not be joining us for this moment or any other moment in the rest of his life. For the rest <laughs> of his life, which doesn't exist. So it, the threat is there, but I don't know that it makes sense exactly. Deep thoughts with Jonathan Carlyle. Most of my notes on these guys, Carl, I think we only hear in this minute. Maybe we only hear Carl in the next minute, actually. But Carl, um, Tony's Tony's brother, the corpse's brother, he died there young in 1995 as natural of natural causes. Um, he had an exciting life, though. He um, was a Russian ballerina with Barishnikov. And, ooh, funny side story. I once lived in the apartment that Barishnikov lived in. That'd be Mikhail Barishnikov for anybody unclear of what I'm talking about. This is only hearsay. So Barishnikov supposedly lived in an apartment that I inherited from a friend of mine that had been in my friend's family for like 120 years. But now nobody has it, including Barishnikov. But um, so Alexander Gudinov, who plays Carl, died in 1995 of natural causes, or actually, actually related to hepatitis. Um, but he defected as a Russian ballerina and had this, this career. You know, in Hollywood, a little bit of a career going on. So he had a pretty exciting life. How old was he when he died? I don't know. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. We don't even see him in this minute. I guess maybe we can bring that up later, because we definitely get him. This this may be his... Um, he would have been about 46 when he died. Just mm. under 46. So younger. Just almost, almost, almost exactly my age. 45 in a number of months. Yeah, it's too bad. Um, but it looks like he lived a good life, so good on him. So this minute, um, so we start off. We've got we've got we've got Hans um, played by Alan Rickman in his first his first um, film role, which just to me seems amazing. Rickman would have been he died a couple years ago, so Rickman would be about seventy right now, which means he was about forty when this movie came out, give or take a year. Um, and to me, that's that's incredible because I think Alan, I feel like Alan Rickman. I always felt like Alan Rickman was an when he, Alan Rickman got really big with um, Harry Potter, and before that he was in Dogma, and I figured that he'd been an actor that had been around forever, who I hadn't seen him in, in most of his things, and it turns out I've really seen a lot of his a lot of his stuff. Um, but he was, I thought Alan Rickman was wonderful in his life, um, and I love listening to him chewing, chewing words here. He's awesome. <laughs> My first introduction to him may have actually been Galaxy Quest. Mm. I would have seen him in this first. I definitely saw this movie in the theater. Um, so if anybody's keeping track for the of the podcast host who saw it in the theater, I did not make it with Princess Bride, but I make it with this one. But he didn't really... This movie was not like a movie that I really cared about. I like it well enough, but it's not a movie that, that like, you know, that I thought was all that, 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 that exciting. That I thought it was all that, you know. It wasn't like a movie that I, that I went crazy over. Um, but I loved him in Dogma, um, where he plays a character called Metatron. Um, I think Metatron's a fallen angel or something like that. Sounds like a Transformer. It does sound like a, a Transformer. I mean, I think it's a biblical something. It's probably a, bi- a biblical something that transforms, to be honest with you. I just haven't seen the movie in so long. <laughs> but um, I remember seeing Metatron in, um, in Dogma, which is a, a movie that I really like by Kevin Smith and I really enjoy. Um, and that came out in 1999 and thinking, this guy's awesome. And then he shows up as Snape. And I wasn't so quick to Harry Potter because I didn't, 
you know, those weren't books that I was reading when that came out. And as he fleshes out Snake, Snape over over what is it, seven or eight movies? I mean, he's in, he's he's unbelievably great. It's it's really a shame that he um, that he died so young, or relatively young, sixty nine. Um, I've only seen this movie once, and it was only recently. Um, kind of funny. I have actually seen Live Free or Die Hard. Or I think that's like actually the number four or something. Okay. And there was a number number five, A Good Day to Die Hard in 2013. Um, the only thing I actually remember about Live Free or Die Hard was that Mary Elizabeth Winstead was in it. Uh, so I was actually pleasantly surprised watching Die Hard, you know, the first, that it was just like a good old action flick because the other ones that I've seen or seen parts of just seemed like they, I don't know, got watered down or they just became like every other action flick of their day. And, you know, not as memorable, at least because I don't remember anything about it. Do you mind if I ask you a couple questions? Um, no. Go, no, I don't kill, want you're, questions. You're killing me. All my material is basically <laughs> quizzing you. Um, <laughs> so you're familiar with the whole Star Trek versus Star Wars thing where it used to be you were sort of one or the other. You know, you really sure. favored one or the other. So I feel like in the, in the context of this movie, um, lethal the Lethal Weapon series came out at the same time. Oh sure. And I really I really liked the leaf the first couple. I think the first two or three Lethal Weapon movies quite a bit. They might have come out a little earlier, but those I really liked. And this one just it it didn't get it. I don't know why. Um, I know that I liked the Lethal Weapons that came out a little earlier, and I know that a couple of years later. Four or five years later, Reservoir Dogs would come out, and all of the movies, the action movies, that would lead off to, um, you know, and the, Tar- the Tarantino stuff, the non-Tarantino stuff, all of it. I love that stuff. So it's sort of funny that this movie sits, sits in between them, somewhat, some, at least somewhat chronologically, but it didn't particularly, I mean, I enjoyed it, but other than that, I was sort of like, oh, die hard. So my question to you is, is there a cult following for this movie? Why are we here? <laughs> there must be. Why is this the movie that we're all discussing? Like, I don't, I, know, I, don't, I don't know if there was a discussion. How did we end up discussing Die Hard being the movie-by-minute thing that all the podcast groups did? From the sound of it, I have no idea why you and I are doing it, except that we volunteered to do it because it sounded like a fun thing to do. Yeah. Um, which, is, which is great. <laughs> it's always interesting for me, I've got a list of movies I've never seen. I'm sure everybody does. Some people's are larger than others. But it was interesting to, to watch this. It it was one of those things that I've, I'd always heard about. I kind of knew a lot of the, the points of the movie uh, without ever watching it. You know, every, I've heard people talk about it. I know people watch it every Christmas because it's a, it's a sort of Christmas movie. And Wait, that's uh, a real thing? People watch this every Christmas? Yep. I could point a couple of them out to you on Facebook. I, I don't know that I know anybody personally that does, but uh, I'm sure they'll let me know after they hear this. Okay. Um, so it's interesting to see it all put together and see the how everything interacts on the movie. And I was actually, like I said, I was actually pleased that it, it was everything it seemed like it was. I don't know that I'll be watching it every Christmas. Oh, I'm going to step right up here and defend the 80s and say everything that we did was great. Everything, <laughs> everything I like is awesome. Well, it, um. <laughs> it it does hearken to a time when you could just have an action flick and not everything has to make sense. Not even all the dialogue has to make sense, but you understand what they're about. You understand what's what's going to happen. Maybe a couple surprises along the way, but uh, that cop's still going to get his donuts at the end of the day. That's good. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, this, this is completely unrelated, but a bunch of years ago, I saw Reality Bites. Definitely a quintessential early 1990s film. 
Um, but what makes Reality Bites really interesting to me as a movie is it takes place in the brief window that everybody had pagers and nobody had cell phones. <laughs> and I think if I were a college student looking for a dissertation to do on movies and technology or something like that, I would choose like whatever thin number of movies happen in that in that in that time frame. It can't be too many of them. Um, I find that I find that really interesting. That's that's a, fa- a factor of, of of the times I've lived through, though. I think as much as anything. Also, Reality Bites holds up pretty well, to be honest with you. So we got a little far afield. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna drag us on back to Alan to Hans Gruber um, and his speech, if that's okay. Oh, yeah, please do. I I think his his goal here is nothing more than making sure these people don't act up. He wants no trouble before he finishes his tacos, and that's all there is to it. <laughs> Do you think he's picking something out of those? He's, he's, he's being awfully picky. So I've thought about this a bit, and I'm convinced he's got tacos. Um, I don't remember if I said that earlier in the minute or if I said that before we recorded this minute. But I'm convinced he's eating tacos because if I were a German terrorist getting off a plane at LAX planning a, planning a major heist in Los Angeles, I would eat nothing but tacos. And I think he is eating them the way he's eating them because he has no idea how to eat a taco. It's like it's like somebody cutting a pizza with a fork and a knife. Oh, I've I've uh, I've seen that. Actually, when we were in Chicago, we had some deep dish, and everybody was eating with utensils. That's different. Um, but yeah, yeah, I almost had to. It's basically yeah. like a like you know like a pizza pie, but you know real pie. Yeah, deep deep dish pizza. You're allowed to um you're 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 allowed to eat with a fork and knife. I mean, you're allowed to do whatever you want, but um. When when that I think when that when that um, example is called on, you're you're always referring to a traditional New York slice. Right. Uh, the the current mayor of New York got in trouble for eating with a, a, a um, fork and a knife some some time ago. Um, so oh, don't, man. don't if you come to New York, don't make that mistake. You may end up on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> um, Unless you eat Chicago style in New York, there was New York style in Chicago, so I assume it goes both ways. Um, not so much actually. Um, oh. I mean, I'm sure it's there. I mean, there's there's Sicilian. There's square pizza is is common, but there aren't too many places that are saying they are Chicago style pizza joints. Uh, I'm sure there's more than I'm aware of, but um, the big trend here has been brick, um, like coal oven and brick oven and all of that. Mm, yep. But if you if you come to New York, I I will. I have a hundred pizza joints I can take you before we have to go to a Chicago stop place. My favorite is Totono's on Coney Island. Again, like so far off the field. Um, <laughs> <laughs> missed. I missed talking to you. Um, <laughs> I think it's. I think this is a scary, a scary speech. Um, I think he accomplishes what he wants to. We start panning across the crowd where we see a guy in blue who is not Fritz, and then the elevator dings, and um, that's where Fritz reacts to it. Um, in my opinion, very slowly. Um, he has a like the elevator dings, and they're in this tense situation, and like a few seconds pass, then he turns around. Oh, I suppose I should look. Now, well, he he kind of turns like the opposite way. Because he's already, I think his body is facing away from the elevator, but, you know, the room is to his right, and he he turns to his left, so he kind of turns, like, the long way around to get to it. You would think any time a door opens behind you in a situation like this, you'd, you'd be right on top of it. Well, there's an audible ding a good couple seconds, you know, as elevators do, it makes this noise. And then you can literally count. It's 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 a couple seconds. He doesn't turn around quickly, and you would think, this they've got this meticulous plan, and you'd think you know he's all all he'd be all over it, you know. We get a nice, really long sweep into the elevator too before anyone else reacts. He kind of turns slowly. The door opens. The camera kind of brings us in, and then that's when everyone else freaks out. 
pierced by that giant scream that I had to I had to keep listening and I was, eventually I stopped listening. So <laughs> finally tuned out. She's kind of piercing, and you get a good look at the Nakatomi office tower here as well. The Fox Plaza. You are correct. It's the Fox Plaza. Um, but do, do you, what do you what do you think of this um, of this office um, building? Like fashion wise, I think it uh, ages much better than the clothes that these guys are wearing. Hmm. That's an interesting point. Um, <laughs> I would wear Blue Guy's sweater. I wish I could. Figure yes. out, I wish I knew his name. I'd wear that sweater. I think his name. I was trying to find everybody that was in there, um, but my unfamiliar with the movie made that hard. I think his name is Alexander. That's yeah. that's his uh, character name. Okay, Alexander. I would wear Alexander's sweater. I would not wear Fritz's mock turtleneck. That might be a real turtleneck. I can't tell. But uh, Alexander with that sweater. His pants seem to be kind of checkered. Would you wear those with this sweater? I don't think I would. I am not getting a good look at Alexander's checkered pants, but now that in, you're saying that, he looks like a Thompson twin. In minute 41, which we are in, if you go to, say, second oh. 34. Yep, I see him this, now. Like, it's a good full shot of him. I um, I might wear those, yeah. I don't know <laughs> that I'd wear them with the sweater and the machine gun, but I might wear them. Machine gun goes with anything, I guess. Well, wow. you know, if you ask me, this moving this moment calls costing a little more, um, let's say a little more semi-automatic, um, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, yeah, there's some pretty awful. There's some awful clothing. There's more. The, the hair is actually much worse, if you ask me. Though I'll, I'll argue that um, that Professor Snape looks pretty good. Yeah. So, so you have him, and he's all dressed up. Um, let's say. F- you know, Fritz doesn't look too bad. I mean, it, he's stylish. I don't like his style, but he's stylish. Um, but Alexander, you know, he's just wearing kind of a sweater. Uh, Tony in the elevator, he's just wearing a gray sweatshirt. You know, was was this part of the plan? Like, does this denote their their job skills in the gang? Uh, you know, how they're dressed? You know, does uh, was Hans Gruber in on all of their dressing decisions? Or, you know, I don't know. He looks like he's a cut above, but you would expect. Or he would expect more than just a sweatshirt. I don't know. Well, it's Hans and his henchmen, right? Yeah. Um, I think for what it's worth, uh, Tony the Elevator is actually just wearing a... Is actually wearing a sweater as opposed to a sweatshirt. I just feel like we should let... we should I should, you know, defend him a bit because he can't defend himself. Um, <laughs> he's also got that fetching hat on. Um, Fritz's top is awful. Fritz is, is wearing what looks like a button-down sweater. But that that at least was a thing, and I don't know. It was, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I guess I remember that more as like an early '90s thing. But being that this was in 1988, so maybe he was ahead of the time, or maybe my memory's a little faulty at that point because I was not really into fashion at 1988 point. So I I would have been 16 years old, so I had a sense for fashion. Well, I wouldn't call it a sense for fashion, but I paid attention to what I wore. Um, I would have. I did not dress like this though. <laughs> um, oh, I was hoping we get pictures. I no. I'm. I'm. There are a handful of pictures on me of me online from college and a couple from high school, and I'm really, really glad there aren't many more. And to all of you kids out there today who are putting your whole lives online, holy, <laughs> issue, you're going to regret that. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what you're thinking. <laughs> 80s, the 80s had a were a, a mixed bag of tricks when it came to clothing and 
care and style and things. Um, well, they're just in time because all those kids putting their lies on Facebook and Instagram, uh, 80s is back pretty much. Didn't the 80s come back once already? I yeah uh, yeah. Oh God. I, well, I, I think it came back in an ironic sense, and then all the young kids were like, "Hey, this is the thing. We're not being ironic at all." I don't even understand the world anymore, Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I don't understand is this lady screams <laughs> at Tony. Well, she doesn't know it's Tony, but she screams, and all these people like run towards the elevator. Like, not. I mean, obviously Hans Gruber and his gang are going to do it, but some of the looky loos are running towards the elevator, like, at the people with the guns. Like, why Why are they going anywhere? Yeah, that's it's pretty not dumb. A, it's not any of their friends. They're just like, oh, I gotta see. Well, where is she actually in the room relative to the elevator? So the fountain, like, when she screams, what's behind her? She kind of looks like she's kind of on the edge, um, like, towards the elevator, the edge of the crowd anyway. And there is a henchman behind her. Yep. Um... But I don't think she's the one that runs forward. I think it's everybody else. There's like four people that come into frame all of a sudden. Actually, if you want to say something really funny, um, go to my, go to minute 28, or second 28, and her eyes are sort of three-quarters of the way closed, her mouth is open. It's a pretty... If, if, I, were, if I were captioning this minute, I'd be using this photo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't quite figure out where where she is, though, but I guess she's got a good line of sight. I mean, it doesn't look like she'd have a great line of sight on the elevator. But yeah, why these people move runs to once the elevator is 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 crazy. Like you run, who runs towards the man with the gun? I don't know these guys. Um, and they have to run around the Christmas tree too. It's an awkward series of moves. Huh. Um, well, we get into the elevator and we find. Um, was it Tony? Tony. Tony, and he's got a little message on him. Um, and that message I think has become almost a little bit of a meme from time to time. That of, of now I have a machine gun, ho, ho, ho. It's like I've seen yeah, I, that around. I, I was definitely aware of this moment before watching the movie. One of the, one of the things I learned in researching this minute was that in, the, in the, one of the late draft scripts, this is, not done in, this is not written by an NYPD cop in blood on the guy's sweatshirt. Um, it is a note that is stuffed, that is, um, stuffed into his collar, which he doesn't have. <laughs> is it blood? Uh, because, see, that's what, that's what I assume, too. But when you look at the – especially when you look at Ho, 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 um, the markings on there are definitely from, you know, like a marker. I, I think I think it's – it's in this case, it certainly is a marker and not blood. But for my headcanon, I'm going to go with he wrote the message in blood. Right. That's what I always thought until watching this minute like 30,000 times in preparation for this. That's pretty freaking disgusting. Um, you gotta actually got to have a lot of blood for that. I don't know that he's bleeding out of anything like this. Um, he's got a broken neck. His face was pretty busted up from all their uh, fighting through the uh, construction zone. But I don't know if it was bleeding that much. And then he has to get to him because he falls like 30 stories or whatever, right? No, they, they fall together in the stairwell. Oh, do they fall together? Yep, he just happens to be on the bottom. Gets the crunch. Ah. Well, I'm sticking with blood. <laughs> but well, I'll, um, I'll, but I, I don't with disagree you. with you, Anna. I don't disagree with you in practice. And... Hans's reaction is pretty funny, testing to see that um, what's going on with his neck. But I guess I think that might be more for us than it is for Hans. Yeah, I guess we'd be remiss if we didn't mention. Uh, did you notice that as Hans reaches towards his head, uh, Tony blinks? He shuts his eyes just before he pushes his head around. Oh, does he? No, I didn't. I can't see that well. <laughs> Let me watch it. Let me watch it one more time. 
Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> it's not like he hits him. It's just funny that he, maybe he got poked in the eye one time, and so he, <laughs> he got a little gun shy every time. Well, it's an automatic reflex. If somebody puts their hands, if, your, if somebody's hand moves towards your eyes, you blink. Um, I guess now you'd like CGI that out or something. It's well. It's funny because the, the way his head is tilted, the the hat is almost covering his eyes. You know, if that was a problem, just pull it all the way down or or something. I don't know. Huh. Um. I I I think this is one of the scenes that makes this movie a this much dark. This is kind of a dark humor, if you ask me, for an, for a run of the mill action movie. And I think this is what makes this different than a run of the mill action movie. The um, the ho 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 and a dead guy. Yeah. Um. It's a little cheeky. <laughs> to me, this just has a this has some of the this adds some character that you might not otherwise get. I'm not so sure it, it stands the test of would this really happen or not, but I like it. <laughs> well, I like it because, like you said, it, it seems like a really dark thing. Like you know, here's your Christmas present, one of your dead guys. Um, but I kind of went back just for context um, when he's fighting with him. He doesn't intentionally kill him, um, but he was just fighting, you know, kind of self-defense, and he wasn't going to kill him, and uh, they ended up falling down the stairwell, and he snapped his neck. So it's just kind of making the making the best of a accidental situation to make it look like someone's out to get him, which he is. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think it's definitely, I mean, he wants to deliver a message, and I mean, obviously he wants to deliver a message. Um, so if he just leaves him there... Their guy goes missing, and maybe they find him. They do they would they assume there was an accident then? Like at this point, I don't. At this point, do they know that um, there's some? Do they know they don't know that anybody else in the building? Only Tony knew. Right. So, at this point, is it a good idea to let them know? I guess that is, he. That is that is my question. Right. Yeah. I guess. I guess he's making that choice. He's like, they don't know I'm here, but I'm going to send them this message, and I'm going to do it. You know. I hate to say strongly. this, but it was a mistake. <laughs> see here's the thing are we allowed uh, what's what are the rules here are we allowed to talk about future minutes um so we gotta put up do we have a can we put up a spoiler wall i don't know i don't know what anybody else has done all right um i i i i, I want to discuss the the context of this so um do you have anything else in this minute other than what i want to discuss and if if you don't then we'll throw up a spoiler wall for anybody who's oh hear this. just more classic hans gruber lines describing the uh the guards as tired old policemen growing fat on a pension. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's um, that's kind of hilarious. <laughs> and even the fact that he he reads a sweatshirt, he reads it really slow. I mean, is that? I know that's you know movie effect, um, but is that someone just wanted to hear Alan Rickman just say more lines, or is that part of his uh, English speaking German coming out that he's a little slower reading the English? I don't know. You know, before we record our um, our minutes later this week, I'm going to try to figure out, learn how Alan Rickman got this role and what that was like, see if there's anything about that online. Because um, I'm interested to, to know a little more about that. I would argue that they're playing with the idea that he can't read English as well as he can speak English. Like, he's not 100% fluent in English, he's 95%, but that 5% is such a big difference. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So he, you know, reading this on this unexpected, somewhat gruesome message, you know, is going to throw him off his English game a bit. Okay, so I'm going to I'm going to say if you if you don't want to hear hear about what happens after this, um, stop listening. 
Um, but I, I doubt anybody is listening to this minute by is watching the movie minute by minute. I sure hope not. Um, so here's the thing: by sending this guy down in the elevator, he lets them know. By sending Tony down in the elevator, he you know John McClane lets them know he's here. Right. This is how he announces his presence to the world. Yes. Immediately after this, he goes to the top of the building and calls the police. And I, I don't want to get too deep into it, but the police call gets interrupted by Fritz by, by Fritz attacking him, if I'm not mistaken, on the rooftop. Yeah, I think actually at the by the end of this week we will get to talk about the phone call at least. Um, I don't uh, think we get much after that. Okay, well, well, then we'll probably end up repeating this, but but the, but but the point of it is, if he doesn't send this message and goes directly to the roof, he'll have time to have a peaceful conversation with the LAPD. And, you know, maybe this whole thing ends a little better. Though, as I haven't seen the end of the movie in 30 years, I have no idea how it ends. <laughs> <laughs> I think we'll definitely be talking about that, because I have some questions about the, the radio use. Fair enough. Okay, then. Um, a few weeks ago, Jonathan and I just finished recording The Princess Bride Minute by Minute. We started in late December. Um, we started working on that, and we finished up um, just a few weeks ago. Um, you can find everything you need to on theprincessbrideminute.com. It's in iTunes. It's in Android stores. We're on Facebook and Twitter. And Twitter, we're at, 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 um, oh, geez, at TPB Minute, I think. Um <laughs> Um, I, th- I thought I was done with that. We're at TP Minute. And Facebook, most importantly on Facebook, we're in, if you want to talk about The Princess Bride, A Battle of Wits on Facebook is the place to go. And um, we both have upcoming projects. Um, Jonathan, why don't, we, why don't we talk about yours a bit tomorrow and we'll talk about mine with our guest on Wednesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Sure, that sounds good. Um, as for Die Hard Minute, um, at Twitter, at Die Hard Minute. Facebook, Die Hard with a Podcast Listener's Limo. The big site is DieHardMinute.com. And if you'd like to catch up on other Movies by Minute podcasts, visit MoviesByMinute.com for more information. Bye-bye, boys. <laughs> Have fun storming the Takamori cat. I don't know what it is. Daka, Daka, Daka Tomi Hotel. Bye! <laughs> <laughs>